sort. Perhaps they just picked up the phone one night in 2004, and when someone asked if they were Christian or other, they chose the former. Christianity, believe it or not, is the Southerner's default setting. So we've established that God and football are both pretty big down here, but which is bigger? Well, I've got a theory. When you attend a church here, you will almost certainly hear people talking about football. Worshippers will gather before the service and discuss in reverent tones what went right and wrong the day before. The pastor will usually reference Saturday's happenings by either praising a team's win or mourning its loss, while oftentimes taking a playful dig at the misfortunes of a rival school. Churches sometimes encourage this blending of faith and fanaticism with wear your team's colors day or by having viewing parties for big games with halftime testimonies, naturally. Conversely, God doesn't get a lot of play in SEC stadiums unless a player injures his neck or your team is lining up for a last-second field goal. And sometimes God is called upon to do some damning, usually of referees or offensive coordinators. But that's it. The SEC doesn't really have to add God or anything else to their product to fill the seats. There is no wear your denomination's colors to the game day. Churches have to schedule around football. Apart from tailgates and viewing parties, a church event planned on Saturday in the fall is guaranteed to be a colossal failure. So far as I can tell, the SEC does not have to consult the churches when it makes its schedule. It makes sense to me that if one thing has to schedule around another, then that thing isn't as important to the people participating. Apart from Christmas and Easter, only tragedy gives churches those SEC-like attendance numbers they so greatly desire. The first week following September 11th, all 12 SEC stadiums sat empty while the churches were filled to capacity. Of course, depending on national calamities isn't really the best strategy to increase church attendance. But what can churches do? The people have chosen today what they will worship, and it looks like God is a two-and-a-half touchdown underdog to the Tigers, Bulldogs, and Gators. The people have chosen. You'd think I wasn't part of the problem. Other Gods Before Me Warren St. John said, I grew up in Alabama, perhaps the worst place on earth to acquire a healthy perspective on the importance of spectator sports. I was immersed in the waters of Southeastern Conference football 12 months before I was submerged into those of believers' baptism. This is not a unique testimony, at least not in the South, where the age of accountability is often preceded by the age when your parents are sure you can sit through an entire game without crying. Two weeks before my ninth birthday, I was thrown into the back of my Uncle Jimmy's station wagon and taken to Legion Field, where I watched Satan's minions from LSU defeat my beloved Crimson Tide. The majority of the blame for that 14-10 loss was placed on my perceived-to-be unlucky shoulders which explains why I was not invited back to a game for the next three seasons. I say that's why, but I suppose it could have been my insistence on taking a sack full of G.I. Joes into the stadium. Lucky for me, Bill Curry would eventually lose enough games that my family had to admit that not all of Alabama's misfortunes were a direct result of my childish indifference. So at the age of 12, my family started throwing me back in my uncle's station wagon and driving me to either Birmingham or Tuscaloosa, where I'd watch the tide destroy some hapless foe. And it was always the hapless foe. I had apparently been deemed too much of a risk to take to another conference game. This was fine with me, because a win was a win. Who cared if it came at the expense of the Biloxi School of Hotel Management and Massage Therapy? Besides, I was with Uncle Jimmy and Grandpa James, the two men not named MC Hammer I admired most when I was 12. For the next few seasons, my family's strategy of taking me to games without putting the Tide's win-loss record at risk worked like a charm. I witnessed the thoughtless slaughter of undermanned teams from Cincinnati and Tennessee Chattanooga. 
but even this almost backfired when I nearly ruined Bama's 1992 national championship season with my attendance at the Louisiana Tech game. This was a game that shouldn't have been close. The Crimson Tide's defense was stacked with future first-round draft picks, and their offense, while not very exciting, hadn't at this point had any trouble scoring points. But late in the game, heavily favored Alabama was clinging to a harrowing 6-0 lead. Fortunately for me, and the team of course, David Palmer returned a fourth-quarter punt for a touchdown and cemented the uninspiring win. Driving home, I listened while Jimmy and Grandpa discussed in spectacular hyperbole just how bad this year's team was. If we can't move the ball any better, we won't win another game. I'm not sure we'll ever score again. We should probably disband the team. Always the optimist, I tried to interject a little hope in the conversation. David Palmer's awesome, right? Jimmy and Grandpa just looked at me, then continued with their assessment of what was, apparently, the most abysmal team to ever die.